In terms of getting involved in the leadership, um, it's not something I ever really set out to do, but it was just a, a need that I saw needed to be filled. You know, I felt like the Federation had been around for a long time, and a lot of the people who came before me did a lot of great things to move the sport forward. Um, but I, I felt like I had some ideas or maybe a new direction I could bring to the table. Um, and so for that reason, I, I wanted to get involved and just kind of, uh, you know, see what I could offer. This is Ed Tuchewski, United States Sumo Champion, and you're listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. There's so much going on in the sport of sumo in the U.S. these days that it takes some time to sort it all out. The recent sumo revival in the U.S. has seen the running of more tournaments, the formation of more clubs, and even the creating of new and more sumo-specific media. To help us understand all this, we spoke with Ed Suchevsky, himself a sumo wrestler and a U.S. sumo champion, as well as serving as president of the U.S. Sumo Federation. We spoke with him by phone Wednesday. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com. The home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot and Skulls Combat Sports Equipment, creator of the patented Skulls Double-End Bag, is the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double-End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Combat Sports Equipment, that's Skulls with a Z, Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Instagram and Facebook at Skulls with a Z Combat Sports. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Hello everyone around the world, welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. I've been talking for a while about how there's been a revival of interest in the sport of sumo in the United States, both in people following the Bashos in Japan, and also running events and tournaments 
in the United States and following it around the world, Sumo's had its ups and downs over the years and ebbs and flows outside of Japan. But in the last couple of years, it seems that things are on the rise again in the United States. And to find out more about it, we're going to talk with one of the top sumo wrestlers and also someone very much involved with the U.S. Sumo Federation, Ed Suchevsky. And he's on the line with us now. And welcome to No Holds Barred. Thanks, Eddie. Glad to be with you. Glad you could be with us. And let's start right off. We know that uh, sumo is a sport, obviously, hugely popular, tremendous traditions in Japan, in the United States. It's existed for a while, but more of a, a neat sport. So how did you get involved in sumo? You know, I first encountered sumo when I was a little kid. They used to show it on TV. I think it was ESPN, Wide World of Sports, back in the 90s. And, um, you know, I was just instantly drawn to that sort of larger-than-life, David versus Goliath dynamic. Uh, this is back in the days of Takano Hana and Akebono. And so those are some of the first guys I watched. Um, and then, you know, over the years, I was a wrestler my whole life, pretty much. And uh, it wasn't until I got a little bit older, uh, early 20s, that I realized, you know, that there was an opportunity for me to uh, get involved in sumo and compete. Um, and so I think about seven, eight years ago, went out to my first U.S. Open and sort of uh, that got the ball rolling. Within a year, I was training in Japan, and, and the rest is history. And you've gone not only from being a competitor, but now head of the U.S. Sumo Federation, and that's something, the formation of a, of a unified, one unified federation per country and around the world is something that's essential for the development and growth of various sports. So tell us how you went from somebody who decided, well, you know, I used to wrestle in school. Now I'll go to the U.S. Sumo Open to getting involved in the leadership of this group. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when I first started off as an athlete, I just kind of, uh, just kind of experimenting. I think earlier that summer I'd been kite surfing in the Dominican Republic. I was trying different things out. And sumo was just kind of one of these things on my list. I was checking off some boxes in my early 20s, just, just trying out different things. Uh, but for whatever reason, that, that stuck, and I, I've just become hooked on sumo ever since. Um, in terms of getting involved in the leadership, um, it's not something I ever really set out to do, but it was just a, a need that I saw needed to be filled. You know, I felt like the Federation had been around for a long time, and a lot of the people who came before me did a lot of great things to move the sport forward. Um, but I, I felt like I had some ideas or maybe a new direction I could bring to the table. Um, and so for that reason, I, I wanted to get involved and just kind of, uh, you know, see what I could offer. Tell us a little bit, you mentioned a, a new direction. Tell us a little bit more about what you see doing. And again, and again, it's in the context of, I don't think it's just me picking up again and getting reacquainted with the sumo community, but I think that there's, there's more interest in it than there's been in the last several years perhaps since the collapse of the old world sumo league i think in the last couple of years it's picked up again i i couldn't agree more i think there's been a a, a ton of interest and uh 
and even a higher level of enthusiasm, right? So it's not necessarily that there are so many more people in the sport, although that's true as well. But the people who are in the sport right now are more enthusiastic and more ambitious than ever. So, I mean, honestly, I've been really inspired by a lot of younger guys coming up and the things that they're doing with their clubs and the events that they're putting together. So, I mean, just to name check a couple, you've got like Ohio Sumo putting on an event this weekend, uh, the Sin City Sumo Camp and Tournament. You've got... Um, um, Justin Kizart down at Dark Circle Sumo. I know you guys talked a little bit about that last week in the consulate, consulate's come. And so, you know, in terms of a new direction, I've been really inspired by what these different clubs are doing. And I think um, uh, for the Federation to do what it's doing now, which is taking on more of a bottom-up leadership style rather than a top-down leadership style and, and giving the clubs the freedom to uh, really, like, kind of push the boundaries of the sport and move things forward, uh, I think is, uh, is, is what we're trying to do. And so opening the door more and more for these clubs and these, you know, individual athletes and promoters to kind of, uh, move the sport forward is where we're at. Now I went, uh, back in 2016, uh, in New York here where Andrew Freund, who, you know, and of course is, been in the leadership of U.S. Sumo Federation had his a sumo and sushi tour, and I went and covered the the stop in New York. And the late Bayambo was one of the people participating in that, and uh, they they had these little exhibitions or demonstrations, and this was a this was held in nightclub. And talking with some of the people there, most of them had no connection to any style of wrestling or martial arts or combat sports. A couple of people did, but everybody loved the event. And But there, there didn't seem to be as much going on in outside of the U.S. Sumo Opens, which have been going on for, about, I guess, about 20 years uh, in the L.A. area. Outside of that, there, didn't, there seemed to be some things happening, but not a lot. But now... At the end of 2020, as you said, there just seems to be so much more new clubs, people using uh, social media a lot. It's much easier than even before to follow the bash shows in Japan, be be it on TV or the Internet or using some of these. Uh, I just put NHK World Japan. I just set up a uh, an Amazon Fire Stick. Well, NHK World Japan, you can watch it through that. It just seems that there's a lot more information, a lot more accessibility overall, both to uh, Japanese and international and local sumo events, even despite the pandemic. It still seems to be moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's completely true. Um, when I was a kid, one of the only ways you could watch a boss show was to I mean, in New York time, you'd have to stay up pretty much all night, and maybe they'd be wrapping up the final matches of the Basho around, like, 4 a.m. So I would stay up all night if there was a big match. I'd be watching, like, you when I was in high school. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you'd have to pull an all-nighter and kind of throw up your whole schedule at school the next day. Um, this is when I was, you know, still still in high school. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, the Internet and YouTube uh, has completely changed that, right? There's so much more information out there. NHK, I think, is doing more to reach out to English-language fans. And then within the U.S., I mean, over 20 years, the U.S. Open and USA Sumo has proven 
that sumo can be a big draw here in the u.s right i mean they fill the walter pyramid with four or five thousand people and put on this huge event year after year um so i think they've laid the blueprint and i think finally we're starting to see some other clubs and some other other individuals take that blueprint and run with it and there's more media developing around the sport as it grows and as it becomes more accessible because i recently interviewed uh, Leslie and Laurie Collins of the Sumo Kaboom, who were just doing th- their own thing in terms of the way they discuss the sport in their in their own fashion, and I think they've in less than a year have really started to build up a, an audience and a lot of people following them. And as I mentioned with NHK World, what I found out is I said recently I said, okay, I want to see what's available because I hadn't checked it out in a long time and as you said they used to show some of this on ESPN or ESPN2 like at 2 or 3 in the morning or something and you never knew if it was really going to be on even though it was on the schedule it became like a, a cat and mouse game well NHK World now uh, has a website in English where they're high, they do like a highlight show of almost a, ha- a half an hour for each day of the bar show, and they put that up online and keep it up during the whole 15 days of that. So you could watch it when it just goes up, or you could, if you missed one, you can go back and catch up on it. And they have other features along with that with great English language commentary to explain a lot of what's going on about the athletes and the, the moves that they're doing and the techniques and what's the context of them competing and all of that and they and they just they lay it all out in a very succinct fashion for people that are not that are new to this and are not real experts on it and it's also available on in some a lot of cities it's available on TV where what I found is that NHK uh, World Japan would uh, use various uh, mainly UHF TV networks to reach people so if you have a a good antenna you could watch it over the air but cable systems pick up those channels so for example on my cable system would have it you have to get search through you know all all the menus to to find it but once you find it you remember where that channel was and you could watch it and I don't know what ratings are but I have a feeling that it's probably one of the most popular shows in the US on NHK world because other than you know they, they have news and features and things like that on there but I think this has to be one of the more popular ones because it's something that uh, you know it's sports it's exciting it's straight to the point and some of the other shows seem to be more you know cookie cutter type things or things that might not excite a lot of people in the United States so as you said they've expanded their coverage and put up a lot more on the internet so right now and, and then there are the YouTube channels that put up the videos of this you got to do a little searching to find it but it's not super hard to do any, anymore and if you want to follow it pretty much and you have an internet connection and or t- 
TV service, either cable or over the air, you're going to have an, an excellent chance of doing it. You could even do it on your phone today. I mean, one of the great things about Sumo is uh, if you can just get it in front of people, it's like you've got an instant fan because it's so easy to understand what's going on. You put it on, no one needs to tell you anything. You're going to understand the rules. You push the guy out or you throw the guy down, and that's it. If you put on, you know, like freestyle wrestling, you're going to need an interpreter there to explain every single rule to you. Why this guy get a point? What are they doing now? You know, I've been a wrestler my whole life, and every time I watch the Olympics, I feel like I don't even understand what's going on. Something, something has changed. There's something new happening. Um, and uh, and sumo doesn't have that. I, there's something great about the pure, simple, clear rules of sumo that um, I think makes the sport super fan friendly. Um, but the interesting thing, like you mentioned, right, is they there is this higher level of analysis. So it looks simple on the surface, and you can be a fan right away. But um, but there's more going on beneath the surface, and I think that's where the real diehard fans uh, kind of get hooked is learning more about the technique and more about what's actually happening. That that's the thing about it, and that's a real advantage that it has. That as you said, it's very easy to understand if you're not well versed in it but once you look at the techniques it's not just a bunch of you know some people think it's a bunch of fat guys pushing each other around absolutely not these are even the the huge athletes in Japan or anywhere are highly trained athletes at least the, you know the the better ones and that's what they've done on the NHK world broadcasts is that They've explained the different techniques. They'll give the, for the Japanese shows, they'll give the Japanese name, but they'll explain wh what the name is in English and basically what it is. And you get to see the many different techniques of, of thrusting, of, of throws, of th pushing or throwing your opponent out. There's just so many things that are involved in it that you see this is not that, this is not so simple but that but that actually enhances your understanding of it i think and and i think hooks people more once they they don't view it as kind of like a novelty thing of like a circus show or something like that and, and the other thing is that with the huge guys competing and and outside of japan gals competing too i think they they're always you know the biggest the heaviest weights have always had the most attraction for people in any sport who are the biggest competitors I, I, in boxing you know while boxing is is ruined itself to a large degree being a heavyweight champion still has a lot more prestige than being a middleweight or welterweight or lightweight champion let alone some of these other these other weight classes that they have even though those fighters are often great and exciting once you're the, the heavyweight champion, that has that has a lot of prestige. And in sumo, with so many big athletes, people are really awed by them and the way that they, they they move. So it has so much so much so much potential. This is why I've said for a long time, in the United States, where you're not going to have sumo run in the same way as Japan, with all the religious and cultural connotations that have gone on it, it even so it has such untapped potential and every time I've seen it uh, at different events 
people really liked it, um, but it hasn't sustained itself over the years. So, you know, and just building on what you said about the the the, the sort of awe-inspiring aspect of, of the biggest athletes, and you're right, right? Like in boxing, the heavyweight champ is somehow always going to matter a little bit more. But one of the cool things that sumo brings that that boxing couldn't possibly bring is the uh, the idea of the open weight division, right? So you're going to have the smallest guy in sumo potentially competing against the biggest guy in sumo. And then there's that question of, like, can he pull off the upset? Can he find a way to, uh, to beat that big guy? That's something I love about sumo, and you see that in all ranks of sumo. I mean, right now, one of the, one of the top wrestlers over in Japan um, is, uh, is, is Enho, and he's probably only, like, 100 kilos or something like that, not a very big guy. I think they said he's slightly less than that, if I remember. Oh, even less. Yeah, okay, yeah. A little bit yeah. less. Yeah, and it becomes a whole big thing watch you know watching him compete. Um, but on the other hand, one of the most popular, so probably the American, and I'm, I'm not counting the Americans who competed in Japan and the Japan Sumo Association because that's a that's like a different, very closed world. Um, <laughs> because they, they'll only accept a certain amount of people outside of Japan and only from certain countries and if they look a certain way and, you know, all of that. As far as, you know, th th that's a different yeah. deal. In, and you've in, got to get in at a certain age. You've got to commit to that life. I mean, technically, I think the limit's like 23, but realistically, you've got to commit to that life at like 17, 18 to stand a chance of getting in. So... Yeah, there's a lot of limitations on being able to enter that world. Whereas in amateur sumo, it's been run like any sport, where you have various tournaments, and whoever wins, whatever their background is, they're, they're the winner. You know, whether they were favored or whether they're an upset or whatever, as, as happens in all sports. And I think that outside of outside of the Americans that participated in in Japan, the most popular American sumo wrestler was the late Manny Yarborough. And when he was, and it was not only because of his, what, what little he did in MMA, but what he continued to do in sumo, and he became a bit of a celebrity in the 90s. Um, there were just some iconic photos of him that took place and everybody that got to know him a guy who was about I don't know 6'8 or 6'9 six, and 600 700 or more pounds depending on how he weighed everybody that knew him liked him and that can be a cliche sometimes but I knew a lot of people not only did I know him I knew a lot of people that knew him and, and the old proverbial gentle giant description really applied to Manny and I think he what he what he tried to do his story how he got involved in sumo he was a college wrestler and then you know the, the people that ran the NCAA decided they didn't want to have an unlimited they used to have an unlimited weight class in college wrestling and so they mm -hmm. set these limits of like 275 or whatever exactly it was that 
that kept out an enormous amount of people. I think it would keep out most linemen from the NFL today. So they, you know, it was one of a zillion and one uh, stupid missteps in college wrestling to hurt its uh, hurt its popularity. And shortly after he 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 was denied his last year of eligibility at Morgan State. The program was many of the ones that shut down. So there, there you go. And so he went into judo, and there, while he was training in judo, he got involved with sumo, and then with uh, the late Mr. Yonazuka, and of course then in '95 became a gold medalist at the World Championships. And so th- there's been a lot about him, and, and I've been discussing this with people. I think all sports need to honor the icons and stars of the past. And Manny was the most successful because he won a bunch of other medals on an international stage as well before his, his active athletic career. Uh, ended, so I would I discussed this with you before, but I really want to see something done to honor him in some way or another. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be, and again, with the pandemic continuing, disrupting everything, it's kind of hard to make two specific plans. But I would really like to see something done to uh, to. Uh, honor him and help inspire other people to get involved in sumo. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, One of the things you didn't mention there is that he's the only guy to have done that, right? So, he won that gold medal back in 95, 96, 95 was it? Okay, yeah, and then 25 years on, and the U.S. has still not brought home a single, you know, gold medal beyond that. We've gotten close, you know, we've had a silver, we've had a bronze, uh, but we haven't had another guy win gold. So, you know, I think one of the things that would be beneficial about remembering him, honoring him, is to, to remember that, like, it can be done, you know, and that's something we should all have our sights set on as American sumo wrestlers, as a federation. Growing the sport and having these events is great, but but a real way to grow the sport is to, to have more success, right? So to get guys that are competing and winning at the highest level and to kind of chase that uh, that high bar set by Manny. Yeah, and, and you mentioned earlier, I'm not sure exactly at what level you wrestled, but you said when you were in school, you were a wrestler back then. I mean, was that oh, in yeah. high school or college? I wrestled in high. I wrestled in high school. I wrestled on a club team in college, but uh, never, never very seriously. Never nearly as serious as I am about sumo. Okay. the The point is that there are an enormous amount of people, that, and and I'm one of them. Although I was not good when I wrestled in high school, there are an enormous amount, and and I think this probably counts in the millions of people who wrestled in a school level or the high school and a college and particularly high school because only a very small percentage of high school wrestlers even successful ones uh, go on to continue to wrestle in college at all and at any level who who when they're approximately 18 and they they're still kids teenagers and they finish high school 
that's the end of their wrestling career, which is yeah. crazy because everything else in your life is still opening up and beginning. You know, work, school, family, etc. And they, a lot of them, that's the end of their connection. Not just competing, but that's the end of their connection to the sport. So what's been happen, happening is that a certain amount of them in the last couple of decades have been going into sports like MMA, which is more and more striking base and is de-emphasized the wrestling and grappling, which obviously is not the strength of a wrestler. Or a lot of them into jiu-jitsu, which is, while people might think it's similar I got to tell you, one thing I remember from high school wrestling is they taught us, if you're on your back, get to your stomach. If you're on your stomach, get to your knees. If you're on your knees, mm -hmm. get to your feet. That was like, you know, the, 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 the golden rule, so to speak, you know, that you, you had to follow. In jiu-jitsu and grappling, it's the opposite because there, there are no pins. And it seems to me that for all these people who were ex-wrestlers or involved in other sports who were now out of school and they didn't go on to become Division One champions and go to regional training centers and all these things and get in the Olympic program and all of that, which is, again, the vast majority even of college wrestlers, that something like sumo would be much more appropriate for them than MMA or jiu-jitsu or grappling and it would be easier to to for them to adapt to and pick up it's just a question of getting them and Manny was again one example from history you're another example I think I think I think we looked in the backgrounds of a lot of people that are involved in sumo they had some connection or, or another to to wrestling in the schools and have moved on. So I think that's one area where it could attract a lot of people. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't think the transition is necessarily easy. There's a lot of bad habits you build in wrestling, or I should say, you know, habits that are good habits in wrestling that become bad habits in sumo. So the transition could be tough, but if you have that, that interest in some sort of, you know, combat sport, moving over to sumo makes a lot of sense and the other thing about sumo is you hear a lot of things about wrestling and you know it's it, it's good for you it builds discipline it, it builds character it's challenging but i don't think you'll ever hear somebody say that wrestling is fun right and i love wrestling but i don't think i'd ever say that wrestling is fun sumo is actually fun sumo is something that you'll look forward to going to practice um, and so, you know, if you're in that position where you're finishing up your wrestling career in high school, or maybe you're wrestling in college, even if you're finishing up your wrestling career and there's nowhere else to go, it makes a lot of sense to transition to sumo. And an eight second match is a lot easier to sustain than a, uh, you know, six, seven minute match, depending on whether you're high school or college. Um, right, so, uh, right. yeah, I mean, I think, I think it makes sense for, for more guys to, to make that move over, you know, I, and I think for, for, you know, a lot of people in sumo now, sumo has sort of been a second sport. We get a lot of football guys coming over, too. I've even heard it said that sumo is sort of like what offensive, defensive line would be if that were its own sport. And that's sort of true, except for the belts. But, I mean, there, there is some truth to that. A lot of those skills carry over, too. 
Um, so it's a good sport to transition into if you want to have a little more longevity, you know, into your 20s and 30s doing some kind of competitive sport. Well, I've known people from sumo, from football, talking about NFL football, who've described it as 11 separate wrestling matches going on at the same time. You know, yeah. in, in some ways that, that's true. And that's why I think it has such untapped potential. And I think it also has another advantage over others that I've seen is that even though sumo outside of Japan is not going to have, it's going to borrow a, a, a lot of what goes on in Japan, but it's not going to be identical in terms, especially of like the religious aspects of it. What it definitely borrows is the aspect of respect. And theoretically, the martial arts is supposed to promote respect and all that type of stuff. And we hear all that stuff all the time. But in a lot of the combat sports we see today, uh, you don't have any of that. You have the exact, in fact, the promoters want the exact opposite of it to create the worst kind of uh, trash talk and insulting and so forth and so on that we see going on in, in sports like MMA and boxing and to a lesser degree you see that uh, not only in other related sports such as uh, jiu-jitsu or grappling you even see some of that in wrestling that goes on in the schools whereas in sumo I just seen a much greater and this is not just now but over the years a much greater camaraderie among people and respect among people and I think that's also again it's as you said you want to have people win these gold medals but if over almost 30 years only one American has won a gold medal not everybody's going to be able to do it so you want to have that but on the other hand most people won't get on that podium get on that metal podium but it'll still have benefits all sorts of benefits for them and one of them is building the respect among people that martial arts Huge is supposed benefits. to build up yeah and I, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea they think that like somehow you come into martial arts with respect and you're supposed to show respect but it's almost the other way it's like you just said it's that participating in martial arts builds respect there's no way that you can dedicate yourself to a martial art and not be humbled by that process, by that experience. Because you start to realize that when I thought I was good two years ago, I actually sucked compared to where I am now. And if I think about two years into the future, I'm going to be so much better than I am now. And that sort of becomes humbling. And you get beat up, beat up by enough guys in practice or in competition, and that becomes humbling too. I just think with these other martial arts you mentioned, you know, like MMA and boxing, there's sort of these perverse incentives to, to put on a show and sell tickets. And, and I understand that side of things, too. I've been involved in professional wrestling at points. So, I, I mean, I understand that in some businesses, you've got to have a gimmick and you got to sell tickets. But one of the nice things about sumo is we don't have that. You know, we have that culture of respect and humility. And so the what we show outwardly is... is I think realer in a way because it is that respect and humility that you build through martial arts. We don't have to go out there and turn it on and put on a show for anybody. We just go out there and, and, and compete and, and let that be the focus. Right. And and in the, the stage pro wrestling 
pretty much everybody knows today it's an act and even though they blurred the old distinction of the the faces and heels and all that what people are doing it's an act they don't often use their real names and real persona and all that type of stuff um, whereas in these other combat sports are real sports and that and to me that makes it even worse so I, I really like to help the martial arts and combat sports out that still retain those values of respect and discipline and, and those will last a lifetime they will help you get through things not in ways that are as obvious as you know self-defense although these things will certainly help in that or having a good uh, good health and all that all these things are helpful in that but just in dealing with all sorts of other problems that you'll have in life I mean personally I know a few months ago when I got the coronavirus having that that mental toughness and that discipline once I had it and I was not in good shape that helped me get through it and helps me deal with after effects of it that's just one example whatever other examples you you know you could come up with and that's but of all, all these things we've discussed together it says that's it has the untapped potential to become a popular spectator sport in the United States if it's properly run funded marketed the media is done properly and all of that and it's it's unfortunate some of the attempts in uh, 98 the event in Atlantic City that was supposed to kick off something like this uh, did not result in much happening afterwards the World Sumo Challenge and World Sumo League in 2005 and 2006 they got on ESPN they started their tour but it ended midway through and that was the end of that and there have been I know some other attempts at reviving that have not gotten off the ground I still think the potential is there if it's all put together I think the ingredients are all there you just need somebody who knows how to mix them all together and get the thing going without sacrificing the essence of the sport I think it could be something that would be popular that fans would watch and I saw it with my own eyes because they got the World Sumo Challenge at Madison Square Garden in October of 2005 had approximately 8,000 fans and I don't know how many people paid I mean I was covering it as media but I don't know how many people paid and if they gave out some comps and all of that they could do all of that but the crowd loved it you can you can give out comps that doesn't mean the people are gonna love the show and when I went the next year they held one of their tour events at the, what was the old Meadowlands Arena which has changed its name every five minutes I think it was Brendan Byrne Arena then or whatever they called it didn't mm -hmm. have as big of a crowd but the people absolutely loved the show and the other thing is also this is family friendly and at the end of that event for example 
they would have they brought in from around the world that you know a lot of you know how big the sumo wrestlers are they'd let the little kids fool around with them on the mat and the little kids adored it you know rolling around or playing around with a 400 pound guy or something that was great and people bought sumo dolls and all sorts of things at the event and you know financially they couldn't get it going they made a lot of mistakes in, in terms of the, the marketing and all that uh, but but it's the potential is all there if it can be put back together again and I don't say that about a lot of sports like you said freestyle wrestling I still love fr freestyle wrestling but I have trouble and I know people that are even Olympic medalists have trouble figuring out what what are the rules and some of the rules are really insane in freestyle wrestling and Greco. Things like a shot clock, which where they're bringing something in from basketball. It makes absolutely no sense, yeah. and it's and it's completely subjective. You wanted things to be as objective as possible. Whoever wins wins, regardless of who they are, whether they're well known, not well known, what country they're from, their, their background, all of that. Let it be. That's what it's supposed to be decided on the mat and it, it often too often isn't and you know it's the same way in other sports so I, I think sumo has this potential that I really hope it something can be put together again in the situation we're in now with TV and, and streaming services and the internet and smartphones and apparently whatever is coming next after smartphones that this technology can and media can help promote a professional version of sumo outside Japan 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 Sumo Association they're going to do what they're going to do and I think it's great that more people are, have accessibility to watch them but I'm talking about something on, on a world level and, and, and again I know it's out there you have an international sumo federation. You have world championships, although again everything was disrupted this year by the pandemic. But you have all that stuff. You have the ingredients there, and I'm just hoping somebody can get the recipe to pull them all together. Yeah, I mean, I think we're I think we're trying to create sort of the perfect scenario for for more people to step in and and do that. And like you said, I mean, and this is true for pretty much all the events that we sanction these days. They're all family-friendly, fun events. It's easy to take your kids there and understand what's going on. You don't have anybody trash-talking or, you know, displaying bad behavior in the ring or anything like that. Um, it's just a good, clean, simple martial art. Not simple, but, you know, it seems to be simple from the outside looking in, and so it's easy to get involved. Um yeah, and I mean, the people who come out to our events, like, like the, the USO, I shouldn't say our events, but the events that the USSF sanctioned, uh, like, like the US Open, uh, they love it. I mean, the crowd goes crazy there every year. The kids love it. They're asking for autographs. Um, uh, they get in the ring with the wrestlers, like you said. Um, it's, a, it's a great sport, and I do think there's a lot of untapped potential. It's just, it's just a matter of more people kind of taking that initiative to take the next step to put on these bigger and bigger events. We're going to see what happens with it, and again, hopefully things start to get back to some sense of normality in 
the coming year and uh, as this pandemic hopefully is is ended uh, again the pandemic the whole rise of cases is still going on of COVID-19 but hopefully this soon is going to be dealt with with all these vaccines that are coming out and hopefully that would open the door at some point to start running events you know like they had been before and another thing earlier you mentioned the sumo clubs there are more and more sumo clubs that have been forming and maybe you could just as we start to wrap it up talk a little bit about that and how where I am in New York I don't think there is a sumo club a lot of them seem to use other existing martial arts dojos um, but some of them are independent and just do sumo so hopefully in New York and other places we could start to have more of these yeah I've never understood that how you can get guys you know half of them drive from Lexington Kentucky and half of them drive from Cincinnati Ohio and they meet in the middle at a gym and they've got a club with 25 guys and yet you've got you know New York City this center of western civilization and and there's no sumo club there uh, I've never understood how that's been the case but but I can tell anybody who's interested in starting a club that it's really just as easy as finding a gym that's willing to host your practices and a lot of people are able to work out different deals where they pay per guy they pay per hour um, or or you just get a gym owner who's interested and wants to add sumo to his offerings and uh, and you know you start practicing that way when I started I walked into a judo gym I had a couple of Mawashi with me, the sumo belts, and I, I said to the judo guy, hey, I don't really want to do judo. You want to try this sumo with me? And one thing led to another, and all of a sudden, we have a little sumo club there. Um, so it certainly can be done. I know over the years, there's been a few different guys that I've, I've worked with in New York who've tried to start a club there, and uh, it hasn't gotten going. But um, the USSF has a ton of resources for anybody, no matter where you are, a um, ton of resources for anybody who wants to start a club. There's a whole starting sumo section of the page. And more important than that, there's a lot of people you can reach out to, different people who've just gotten clubs started in the past year or so, um, or, you know, past several years, I should say, um, who can give you advice on what that process was like for them. And everybody's story is a little bit different, uh, but there's a lot of people out there who will kind of hold your hand and guide you through it, even if you're brand new to sumo. It doesn't mean you couldn't start a club, find some guys to practice with, and sort of get the ball rolling. Give us, as we start to wrap it up, give us the information that people want to find. You mentioned a starting sumo page. Give us the information on how people could find out about this, about the website, and also uh, social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so United States Sumo Federation is the term to search, and you can find us at ussumo.org ussumo.org and you can go to ussumo.org slash starting sumo there's a big starting sumo button on the homepage too so you can't miss it that'll take you to a section of the page that gives you some ideas on how to get started um, and then we're also on Instagram and Facebook at United States Sumo Federation so all written out United States Sumo Federation that's us on Instagram and Facebook um, and you can find me on Instagram personally at the real sumo ed the real sumo ed so yeah, I'm on I'm on uh, Instagram too. Uh, I don't do too much on there lately since the start of the pandemic, but uh, I'll be back on there soon once we get through nationals. Right now, I'm just focused on training. And hopefully, some more people can can use Twitter 
as well because there are a lot of people I know there are a lot of sumo clubs and a lot of individuals on Facebook that have various pages there but you know a lot of people are just annoyed for all sorts of different reasons at Facebook and I think Facebook has seen better days and now being sued by almost the, the attorney general the attorneys general of almost every state in the US who you couldn't agree on the time of day they're agreeing that something has to be done with Facebook so I, I'm not sure about what's going to happen with the future of Facebook or what else could develop and so I think that Twitter is one place there's a lot of discussion about combat sports and martial arts so hopefully people could branch out to uh, to get more things going on Twitter as well I think you're probably right. Maybe I have to get on there, and uh, maybe we should get the Federation on there as well. I'm uh, I'm a little behind on all the social media stuff. I don't think I'd be on any social media if not for sumo. But um, but you know, I try to I try to stay on just to keep up with with the sumo world. Yeah, well, that's you could use social media pretty much in any way that you want. You don't have some people will, you know, put pictures of their their lunch on there every day and. Or just deal with their own immediate family, or whatever. There, it, it's pretty much endless what you could do. But I think that's a place. And the other thing is that it's so easy to connect internationally with people through Twitter. And a lot of sports, it's sort mm -hmm. of been the that into maybe a lesser degree Instagram, which is much more limited what you could do on Instagram. That Twitter has become the social media of choice for a lot of different sports so I think and I, I who knows what's gonna happen with the suit but there's a good chance that Instagram could be separated out from Facebook at some point and so if mm. that happens is Instagram gonna stay like this or is it gonna try to work to become a direct competitor to Facebook so uh, we'll see you know we'll see what happens with that but as we know all this stuff changes rapidly anyway so uh, you got to be on top between the technology and the the internet social media all these things are evolving quickly and it's it is hard it is you have to devote some time to keep up with it but uh, that's just, yeah, that's true right what are aren't the kids all on to TikTok now well that's something yeah that's something for short videos oh i i should have mentioned that there's another advantage of sumo. With the very short videos on TikTok, yeah. what sport is best suited to use TikTok? How can how can any sport compete with sumo on that when the mat, most of the matches are so short? It's it's something like that's perfectly designed. Yeah, not only. You know, I was kind of joking, but you're right, right? TikTok's pretty much built for us. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 we know how visual the matches are, and they're short, and that's what TikTok is. And there are other competitors to TikTok around, but TikTok seems to be the the biggest one at this point. And again, everything mm -hmm. everything is open to change. But there you go. You know, if you got some people who could put some of these matches up on TikTok and develop I'm not on TikTok but if you get some people who 
know about it, I don't think it should be too hard to figure out how to how to do all that. Um, there you go. That's another one to use. And whatever else is going to come along afterwards too. So yeah, always gotta always gotta stay out in front of it. Whatever's next. It's an interesting idea, and uh, you know, personally, aside from sort of my involvement in the Federation, I, I do plan on hosting some events in the coming years in the New York, New Jersey area, so, uh, so maybe that's something I'll get involved in. If I can get some high-quality footage out of there, put that up on, on TikTok, Twitter, whatever else. Yeah, well, ideally, you should be putting it up on all platforms, because not everybody will use every one of these things. I've just noted this over the years. There are some people that will they'll just use one of these things because they can't spend their whole life doing this. They're not involved in the media. They're not professionals in the sports world. They have things to do, so, obviously. So they'll just pick one of these one of these platforms or maybe two of them. Uh, and that's cool. That's why really as an organization, you have to be wherever people are. In, including the odious Facebook, so long as it's still around. I miss MySpace, but that's another story. <laughs> oh yeah, I was I was a little too young for MySpace. Yeah, that was yeah. before my time. Yeah, well, MySpace was like the the it was like the way the 1970s were in terms of uh, going out and culture, just sort of wild and uninhibited. That was kind of MySpace for a while. And then mm-hmm. you know they uh, they had all sorts of their own problems and and to me the the dull Facebook came and uh, took a lot of people. For me, the final straw in MySpace was when I kept getting malware from stuff on their site, which had to do with the sleazy operators who who ran the site, who didn't do anything to really didn't do anything properly to keep malware off of there. I said, that, that's it. I was one of the last people to leave. So, oh, wow, well, yeah. I guess I'm glad I missed that whole trend. Yeah, it got a little too... Got a, it had a lot of advantages, but it got a little too crazy in the end. But you can read the history of the people that that originally started MySpace were a lot of real sleazeballs. And uh, there, there was a book by Julia Angwin about that that you could find that I read like a long time ago but anyway anything else about sumo you want to say as we wrap this up no I think I think uh, I think we said it all uh, but I'll tell you if you're interested if you're out there and you're listening and you're interested in getting involved uh, don't think you can't just because you live in a place where sumo might not be happening around you it doesn't mean you can't get involved there's a, there's a lot of ways to do that so you know reach out to the federation get in touch with me personally and uh, we'll help you get started in the sport. And, and believe me, over the past seven, eight years of my involvement, uh, I can't think of anything more meaningful or, or more powerful experience I've had in my life than being involved in sumo. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for it. And uh, I think you will be too if you get involved. Great. And in approximately a month, assuming there aren't more restrictions, the January Basho will start in Japan. So hopefully people... I think when a lot of people start to follow it uh, and figure out who's who and what are the different storylines with the athletes and, of course, what's going to happen with Takakesho and the uh, the Yokozuna is going to return, 
who were injured, who've been out for a while, all the different storylines, people will really start to grasp it. It's not super hard to to figure out, and uh, it takes a little bit of a time, but it's well explained, so hopefully people could follow that also. Yeah, if you want to get into Japanese sumo, it's probably never a better time. It's a sort of changing of the guard right now. The old guard is uh, slowly heading into retirement, and and a lot of the you know young bucks are coming up, and you're going to see who's going to emerge as like the next big yokozuna. Yep. Well, listen. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I know we're going to be continuing discussions of this, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. And I'm going to see. You know, hopefully this time it's it's really going to work and we're going to have a real explosion of interest in sumo in the U.S. and other parts of the world outside of Japan. Thanks so much, Eddie. I appreciate you having me on. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Combat Sports Equipment creator of the patented Skulls Double End Bag is the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Combat Sports Equipment that Skulls with a Z Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Instagram and Facebook at Skulls, with a Z, Combat Sports. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Hello everyone around the world, welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.